Alrighty, Sports Gasming Podcast brought to you as always by beers today at Pirate Life IPA, which is fucking delicious. Anyways, uh, this is a pod I recorded unfortunately <laughs> a month a month ago ish uh, with my good friend Vince, uh, who I always love having on the pod and always a great discussion on sports. So I feel bad this is so late getting up there. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't the day job, so things get in the way sometimes. But a great discussion as it was at the time on. Um, the NBA playoffs, which is still, I think, relevant because the playoffs was just such a a great time. Well, not, not a great playoffs, but a, a discussion point playoffs in the sense of overall NBA history. And uh, and Vince, as always, has some strong opinions, <laughs> as I do, and as well as some discussion on um, the uh, thoughts on the aftermath of the Ducks basketball season, uh, as far as Oregon Ducks go, that is, and football. Um, so always a good discussion. I feel bad that it's up so late, but uh, well worth putting up there because it, it's it's still a great listen. Um, so without further ado, let's get onto it. Um, as always, cracking a beer for the pod. Here we go. Oh, love that sound. Let's go. Alright, Sportsgasmic Podcast is back with Vince after a two or three month layoff with, uh, I don't know, we have day jobs. <laughs> How's it going, Vince and, and BK? I mean, Miniki. Gordo, it's good. Oh, it's Gordo, good, fuck. Good back. I was like, <laughs> the third one. But yeah, I'm good. Been a while, but uh, a lot of a lot of things have happened in sports, but I'm... Yeah, <laughs> well, when we were... We were texting just the other day um, about doing it again. We said it's like the the Cal Oregon game was the last one. We were watching that as we were finishing off the last one, and yeah, that was a, that was a great that was a great comeback and whatever. And but that's yeah, two three months ago, and a lot happened since there. And and I guess we can quickly reminisce about. All right, I know we, I said off air that we'd start an NBA. We can have a quick reminisce on. The end of the Oregon basketball season, which though it was disappointing, was still probably the best season we've ever seen. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It it was funny that night we were watching. We were both kind of sad by the start because it was rough and ugly, but mm. it was a uh, one of Dylan Brooks' few uh, buzzer beaters of the season. So uh, it was cool. But yeah, it was a great season. Obviously, you know, in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, well, I guess tournament having Boucher go down was a big, a big shot, and it'll always kind of have that "what if" feeling to their run of, uh, you know, what if he didn't get hurt? I wonder what could they have done. He definitely would have helped against UNC, but that's a dangerous game to play, also, because you know they played so darn well against Kansas and just mm. you know a team that I thought would beat them for sure uh, had them in my bracket. The Ducks just manhandled him, really. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it would have been different if he was there. They would have, you know, not not had the right matchups or whatever. So mm. you can never play that what-if game. But it, it was a shame to lose him. But heck of a year. Hell of a year. Yeah. Well, I think I said to you Seem- or, or uh, could have been Jeff as well, um, that to have a season where I think we beat Duke, Duke earlier in the season and then we in the tournament we beat Michigan, beat Kansas, smashed Kansas. Really, it wasn't even close. 
and then to lose to you and the eventual champion by one in a situation where, you know, a bit better boxing out on the on rebounds, we might have had a shot to win it too. So, um, yeah, you, you can't you can hold, only hold your head up high after a season like that where you are. You, the championship game probably was that game uh, mm. um, with Oregon and UNC with like the just a game against Gonzaga with UNC was a bit of a anticlimax. Just wasn't a good game to watch. I tried watching some of the replay afterwards and didn't get through much of it because I already knew the result. So, um, no, no offense to Gonzaga or UNC or anything, but I think the best game of the last four was that Oregon UNC game. Yeah, I mean, and it definitely had its its uh, ugly patches, mm. you know, and that's part of it with the it's funny because Brittany and I, of course, were scheming and wheeling and dealing, thinking about getting down there to Phoenix and literally had flights at one point and canceled and backtracked. And uh, now we're kind of sad we did. But but the big kicker was for me was that damn football stadium. And I've been to two football mm. games there and it's it's a hell of a view. By that I mean, you know, you're far away from from the the action in a football game, mm-hmm. let alone a little a little basketball court down there, and it just made it with seats being as expensive as they were, which you know, honestly, they weren't that bad for three games and those three games of that magnitude. Like mm-hmm. prices weren't really that bad, but it was just a shame that it's a shame that they've moved to that. I get it, kind of, you know, it, more people can get in there and all that, but at what cost, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but I forgot where I was going with that, I guess. But uh. Well, it's, I, I think someone, I can't remember, I, I listened, to all, you know, listened to all the podcasts or whatever, and someone did vaguely mention, you know, how does that change change it for the teams that are playing? Like, not that it ever, like, blank, because both teams got to play in the same situation. Um, you know, it's, just ha- it's, handling, it's handling what's thrown at you, you're both on the same floor. But um, playing in a basketball stadium, just uh, sorry, a football stadium, when you've played all season and in basketball stadiums and purpose-built basketball stadiums, and then you get to the f- most important games of the season and you're in a in a retrofitted fucking uh, football stadium. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with that. Uh, and it, part of me was wondering, you know, would they – are you going to start seeing, like, preseason matchups or something between some of these big-time teams that now play, which – that's one of the nice things about college basketball is unlike football, teams are willing to go out and like Duke and Kansas played or, you know, North Carolina, Kansas, like people are going willing to go play each other because one loss is there really, it's not going to really do anything. But that the same token, I don't imagine that a regular season game, even if it were between, you know, Kansas and North Carolina is going to sell out Jerry's world or mm-hmm. even come close to, you know, making it worth their while. So, yeah, I mean, both teams are playing on it, but the Oregon-UNC game and the UNC-Gonzaga game, both just, both teams look so off. And that's their young kids with nerves. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's there's multiple factors to it, of course. But, boy, it just seemed like those games, even, you know, Gonzaga-South Carolina was it was the same way, but I think that was kind of matchup too, or just the way that matchup was going to go no matter what. But the games were disjointed, shots were missed that, all those guys would have made on both sides, Oregon and UNC and Gonzaga missing shots that they'd normally hit. And, you know, like you mentioned, the final was, it was ugly. The refs really, and you see afterwards the, the Monday morning quarterbacks or at that point, Tuesday morning quarterbacks were saying, Oh, don't get on the refs. It's the NCAA. And, but it was, they just blew the whistle. They controlled that game. They had everyone in foul trouble and, 
And it was a little bit that way in Oregon game too with UNC, but but it was just magnified and even worse in the championship, which which was a, which was a shame because I was looking forward to it, even though the Ducks were lost. You know, uh, it it was still a fun run, and, and it still made the tournament that much more like exciting, and and it had a rooting interest, obviously. So yeah, yeah, I I have um every season that we do add the bracket tournament you do for uh, the group there on Facebook. Every season that Oregon's in the tournament, I put them through as being the winner, and uh, this was the first year where I actually genuinely thought it was a chance, and it got very close as well. So, um, it's a, it's not it's a nice feeling to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny because afterwards, after they lost, <clears throat> you know, your immediate, your mind immediately goes to, okay, well, we had the you know, Boucher was leaving for sure. He was a senior. NS was a senior. He was leaving. So you had the other big three, if you will, that were uh, in limbo. And <clears throat> you just never knew. You had like UNC was a great example of they had some guys that could have left last year after they lost in the final to Nova and and came back uh, and, and you know put a put a bow on it. They did what they came back to do, which is great for them. And so your heart starts to wonder, hey, could could some of those guys come back? And uh, you know, all three of them leaving was kind of a shot, but. It seems as though uh, recruiting is, is picked up right where, you know, Altman's now not just getting. It's kind of like we saw with football a few years back where now all of a sudden Altman, who is a great coach and can really coach these guys up, it seems, and especially towards the end of a season, he's got these guys dialed in every year mm. and has worked with not – last year he obviously had a great team, but in those other years where he took teams to the tournament and whatnot – he wasn't working with much uh, a lot of times or working with grad transfers and things like that. And he's got some real recruits. I mean, that, that Brown kid looks like he's a one and done, which would be, I, I have to imagine a first for Oregon if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. And, you know, they got for 2018, obviously it's always odd because of basketball recruiting is kind of weird. Like I think signing day is coming up here in just a couple weeks for basketball, which is just, it's always such a quiet thing. You know, at least in Oregon, and I'm sure in places like Kentucky, it's a big deal. But basketball national signing day doesn't even hold a candle, obviously, to football. So it just kind of sneaks up on you. But they got a five-star kid already for 2018, and a couple more looking like they're leaning. So while they lost a lot this offseason, the fu- the future's still looking bright. So so hopefully we'll be a a dual school, not a basketball or a football school here. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's um that's the thing with the um basketballs. I remember a couple of years ago there was often the not really rumors, but there was often the talk, I guess, was if Altman got a got a better offer from somewhere else, would he go? And now it's like it seems like it's at the point where Oregon can probably offer him it genuinely where we've got we've got the we've got fantastic facilities, obviously, it's needless to say what we offer as far as it, the package as far as that goes, but now we're getting the recruits and Altman's got this gravitas there now with um what is it, six or seven years he's been there now and he's he's shown that he can get a get the school right up to where it, um, players will want to be as far as their college careers, even though a college career as a basketball player is fleeting sometimes in this day yeah. and age. But, yeah, I think it, it feels like it's at the point where we can look at Altman as hopefully being a coach for the for the long term here for a while and and having us in the in the late, late season charge on a regular basis, um, hopefully. Absolutely. I mean, what five yeah, five years straight in the tournament, and of those five years, haven't haven't lost in the first round once, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. You know, three, two elite eights, or yeah, one final four, one elite eight, one sweet sixteen. I mean, 
that's a that's a pretty good pedigree. And I think yeah, I think it's time for for us as fans in the country to realize that uh, uh, you know Oregon isn't going to go anywhere. Like you know, losing what they did next year could be a little more down um, than like this year, obviously. But I would still expect them to make the tournament and. Mm-hmm. Couple guys stay, and those couple of those recruits that I mentioned earlier do sign and come and look out in twenty. What I guess eighteen, nineteen would be the season, which seems like a, an eternity, but it'll be here before we know it. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. It was a fun year, great building block year for the program, and uh, yeah, it's just a uh, good time. It's been yeah. a while. Shit, <laughs> God. <laughs> and it was an, it was a nice little, it was a nice little way to uh, to distract ourselves from the horror that had been a pretty pretty horrible football season by our standards but um everything seems to be going all right at the moment you've got your finger on the pulse there more you suggested some people i should follow that has been keeping me in the loop a little bit more on recruiting for football but are we in are they rating us in the top 10 of recruiting classes at the moment yeah as it sits today they're, they're like eight or nine uh with that that feverish run there after the spring game and yeah uh it's crazy. I mean, he's the the term people throw around here for for Willie is he's got the juice, um, and that just seems so much. You know, as we're more and more removed from the Helfrich era, which is we, you know, it's it's been well documented that everyone was skeptical from day one on it, but a lot of us at least tried to have a positive mind. I mean, I know I was upset when he got fired, just more so the way he got fired. Yeah. It felt like at the time, at least. But, you know, part of me was rooting for him and, and believed he could turn it around. But the stories you hear and the things you read and see and you you got to take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt. But but still, like it just sounded like that program was lost and he just didn't have a pulse with today's like young athlete mm-hmm. at all. And I mean, you know, the Twitter is, is a perfect example where he still has a Twitter page and it's had one tweet from the day. I'm sure an athletic director or somebody said yo, you got to get on this thing, Twitter. And it was mm. like his first tweet was that day, and then he never tweeted after. Yeah. And you see the current coaching staff are just bombarded on there. They're always mm. on there talking about where they're going, who they're recruiting, and or you know they don't necessarily mention names, but just like where they're at. And it's fun. It And, and the players love it. You see the players interacting on Facebook or on Twitter with each other and with the, with the fans. And, uh, you know, it's all it's all been great so far. Mm-hmm. But not a single snap has been taken on the field, yeah. and so uh, try to temper temper your expectations or hopes, I guess. But you know, given his track record of what he's done at other smaller schools, and that he's been able to do the off-field stuff the same that he did at the other schools, and there's no reason to believe right now that uh, th- that he won't continue it on the field. But that being said, I think I think people need to temper expectations for next year at least because. Yeah. Still, he's still really, especially on the defensive side of the ball, he's getting an, an empty cupboard that that uh, it's going to have to be built back up. So, yeah, that's the thing. But, we look at all these recruits and stuff, but we're still looking at players from for a year away. Not, not this immediate season is still going to be largely uh, what was left uh, as a legacy. So, yeah, if he can if he can show um, some you know good things with that, then that's that's going to be really yeah. But we we shouldn't be expecting anything uh, truly magnificent for at least a year um, which no. i think is what, and i mean i think is what gets lost in all the recruiting talk unfortunately is people yeah people that don't sit back and look at it um uh, with with more objective 
eyes just start getting excited and immediately start expecting results with players that aren't actually going to put on the uniform for a year, which is just, yeah. So temper expectations, but it's all tracking in the right direction, which is where you, what you want, what you want is a good track. Absolutely. And I think it is weird because it's so un Oregon like to get these big recruits so early in the process. Mm. It feels like, you know, we're still five months away from, uh, I guess not anymore. Now we're only wow, three or four months away. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when they're when a lot of those kids are signing, we're still three, four, five months away from even the kickoff of this season. So it feels like, oh, we got these kids that should be here next year. And it's like, you know, no, it's like a sixteen month process before we're gonna see those kids. So um, which is something that an Oregon fan has never had to deal with. There's never been early signees and which yeah. that also is another another piece to consider is that there still is, you know, what, till next February there's nine months until national signing day. So yeah. a lot can happen. A lot of people can leave if, the, if they don't look good on the field this year, you know, who knows what happens to the class, but hope, but hopefully that won't be the case, but it's, yeah. it's a lot that's, of time. That's the other thing to consider is we're, we're, we're taking the word of 16, 17 year old kids who, yeah, oh, I mean, you remember what you were at at that age. <laughs> you change your mind on the daily on, on what you think about everything. So, um, yep. Yeah. Chewing on the fucking cords here. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got to, yeah, but it's it's good. It's at least good because, um, you know, you hope that even if a couple of those guys get flipped, which just happens, we've done it to teams before. I know how happy we were back in the day when D'Anthony Thomas flipped at the last second. So, yeah. Um, it's going to happen against you as well. You just got to, it's part of the territory. It's part of the game. It's as much a game off the field as it is on it. So, but if you get most of those guys to um, stay on and commit and uh, sign on to the U, uh, then, then you know that's that's everything you want in a coaching staff to be able to in recruiting. Like the fact that he's he hasn't even been there. You know he's been there what six months now. Um, hasn't obviously mm-hmm. hasn't coached a game yet. But the, what he's doing off the field is exactly what we we just didn't see that from Helfrich, and we didn't see any direction. And now we're seeing we haven't had direction as a as a I was going to say franchise as a program for three or four years. It's felt like um, once Mariota was. Uh, declared for the draft that just everything seemed to get set adrift almost and uh so it's good just as as a fan just to feel like you have some direction now yep i 100 percent agree it's uh it's refreshing and with with timid uh i don't know i'm timid but i'm excited for sure try yeah. not to let myself get too excited but uh yeah future's future's bright yeah um, all right, so NBA's on at the moment. Um, Cleveland have run out to yeah, early. Oh, it's 10 point. Boston are kind of just hanging back. They're not not quite getting blown out, but it's not close either at the moment. It's, it's funny. I, I turn on the game. I'm like, wait, it's at Boston? I completely forgot with how these playoffs have gone that Cleveland actually don't have, didn't have the uh, home court the whole way through. Well, obviously, they wouldn't for the, yeah. they wouldn't for the, the finals, but... Yeah, it's a it's an odd finals considering that Boston is such big underdogs, but they have home court, which just means nothing really, um, as we've seen a lot in the playoffs lately. But um, especially hockey, but that's that's for another discussion. But yeah, um, yeah, I I guess we could say quick uh, prediction on this series. Do you expect Celtics to even get one game? Or you know, had you asked me what would, I'm trying to think of which weekend that was. Had you asked me before their last regular season matchup, I would have said that pretty even money, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a pick 'em series. And um, 
but gosh, they it seemed like you know LeBron and the and the Cavs were struggling there as they were, and I you know, obviously it just seems like they're just on cruise control as they like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, clearly, they didn't care about the number one seed because you know they win tonight, and then all of a sudden number one seed is or they have home court, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but they the the way they when they played there was you know what probably ten games left in the season I think they matched up, and LeBron just manhandled them. Like he took that game over and just showed that they had no way to stop him and mm-hmm. that they cannot stop him at Boston and just torched him. He's high five and Boston fans in the behind the hoop. Like it was he they manhandled him. And after that, I thought, OK, yeah, I think they'll be all right. I I wouldn't be shocked if Boston takes one because uh, they're a real good team, a team that has the goddamn number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say four one. Um. Yeah, four one. I maybe four two. I I don't know. It'll be interesting. You know, obviously it's a cop out, but after tonight, I I'll stick with four one. But yeah. Um. I think Boston's they're right there. They're right there. I mean, LeBron's probably got another another year or two after this to kind of run 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 his way in the East. But man, give Boston another couple years, and I think they they could do it. So. Well, that's what's unbelievable about Boston. I guess you touched on it with the number one pick is that they're kind of right there, just behind Cleveland. Like once once LeBron's you know not in the league anymore, or just isn't isn't the player he is now. Um, Boston's probably the next in line just at the moment because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're in the lottery, getting the nut, a top three pick every year. The last like last year they had the three pick, which was Jalen Brown, I think. Um, this year they got the number one pick, which um, everyone's saying well. If they went with Lonzo Ball, then I, I, just, I don't even want to get into that whole mess, but it's likely going to be faults. And then next year, they'll probably have the <laughs> odds on to have the number one pick again because Brooklyn yeah. are just are just that um, are just a, a drift lost at sea um, in the fucking Bermuda Triangle almost the way they're going because they've just got nothing to build on and they've, they, did, they threw everything to uh, Boston and... What Boston did is just unbelievably. I don't think they would have worked, thought it was going to work out this well that they'd be a good team and have those picks. But Jesus Christ! Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen a graphic. I'm sure you've seen it floating around the internet now too of of what the trade turned out to be. Yeah. As far as you know, they got uh, what Garnett and Paul and Jason Terry and someone else. D- was who DJ, the someone else, I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, DJ Augustine, maybe or something like that. Uh, and it's just, I know that those guys were good and they'd won a championship with Boston. And at the time, I'm sure everyone was like, what are they doing? But now, like hindsight's twenty twenty. but gosh, taking a bunch of old guys for all those picks. And like you went through all the picks they've had and they'll have another one next year. Mm-hmm. And what a great move and what a, like a blueprint for, for organizations that get like a core like they had. And it may piss your fans off at the time, but cut bait. If you pick that right moment to cut bait and someone's willing to sell the farm to you for, for your aging kind of core players, fucking do it. Because they yeah. could be set up. They could be set up for the next decade, assuming all goes well. And you got to give their front office credit, too. It's not like they've, they have had these draft picks, you know, f- not fall in their lap, but they've had the, the luxury of that. But picking up guys like Isaiah Thomas from Sacramento and, you know, mm. they make these moves that have they've turned out to – to be really well and or do really well and and obviously Brad Stevens is a great coach too it seems yeah so uh, I think we touched on it last time we spoke even but 
when he first got hired, I wasn't sure coming from the small school. Butler, get out of here. Uh, but, man, he's he's doing great, and the players seem to love him. So, yeah. It's they got a, a bright future. Must be a Boston thing with the Patriots having done it for years now, trading players when everyone's like, what are you doing? And then and then building for the future and not actually ever getting bad. I know Boston had a bad year in the last few, but yeah, they just – it's unbelievable. I, I, I just – when I was looking at that graphic yesterday, I was – and it, and it kind of reminded me, and I know this was a sore point for you, but the uh, the opposite side of it was the Bears in the draft a month or so ago, or whenever that was. What they did was just, and we've seen it. We've seen the evidence is there that you shouldn't be mortgaging your future for a, for something that you're not even sure of. Like, this wasn't Andrew Luck. It was Mitch Trubisky. So, um, franchi- yeah. fran- some franchises find a way to do it smartly, and then some others still, with even with all the evidence available to them as to why it probably isn't the right idea, people still do it. So Brooklyn Brooklyn and New York are both teams that are just kind of uh, trading water at the moment because they mortgage their future. They don't have picks, and that future didn't turn out the way they thought it would. And, and this is what – and you – and fans of those teams just, what are they meant to look? There's no hope. At least uh-huh. like the Browns, at yeah. least they, they still have the a pick every year in the top. So they they, they <laughs> sell that. They sell that um, for their fans. And, you know, the person with the jersey with 20 million names on it adds another one and whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> These teams that throw the future away and don't, don't even get the reward for it because they didn't actually really think it through is, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about them, but good on Boston there in the, in the Eastern Finals at the moment, and they've got the number one pick yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah. What a hell of a span. Like, if they could pull off a win tonight somehow, uh, what a hell of a three days for them. They clinch a game seven one night, get the number one overall pick the next night, and yeah. then uh, grab grab the game one again in the Eastern Finals against the Cavs. That would be a, yeah. be a wild ride for them fans there. That might almost be a first, I would say. I, I, don't, they, I don't have the... Uh, Time to go trawling through records of the major sports as to, but I don't think any team would ever have had that kind of finals run while clinching a number one pick at the same time. No, yeah. I wouldn't think so. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm just gonna take two seconds. So we're gonna have a quick break here. I haven't even told you this yet, but because I've actually just, I just realized my computer's about to die and I forgot to bring my charger out here. So I'm gonna pause it for two seconds and then we'll get back and talk about the uh, Western Finals, which is probably where. Both of us have a bit more strong opinion on. So, <laughs> all right, quick little break here and we'll be back in a moment. When it's just this clearly like body out, like make sure the guy lands on you thing. And so it goes both ways. The NBA has got to take a hard look at that and figure it out. Uh, obviously, the offensive one is just for for the like visibility of like or the aesthetics of basketball like it's just so ugly to see that james harden move yeah. uh but f- on the defensive side like what zaza did shuffling under like that i mean you see it destroyed what was going to be at a f- probably a really good series like i don't know that i would have said that before the playoffs kind of just seemed like uh golden state was going to run away with everything but man you know the first three quarters were an indication of that game one it was going to be a hell of a series and it's been since you know the last five quarters of the series have been an absolute massacre because mm-hmm. Aldridge has no backbone, so yeah. uh, he can't carry that team. And it's, you know it's what Portland Portland's Portland sits here and softly snickers, I think, a little yeah. bit <laughs> at, at seeing what Lamarcus is doing right now uh, because it's what we had in Portland. They had a few big games against Houston for us in the playoffs the one year, but 
it's just him. He's just timid. He's not a leader, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because he's got all the tools to be a, a freaking monster out there, but he just doesn't have that like killer instinct, I guess. Uh, yeah, whether, but yeah, I mean, whether the stage is too big in San Antonio for him, I don't know. It, it seems that's what he was wanting when he left, but at the same time, it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be working for him either. At Portland, he was, you know, it's Portland. It's not like a backwater, but it's it's a it's a different place and it's a smaller market and you can and as long as you look you know you play well and whatever you you get get the respect of the fans and whatever and especially with Lillard there his last his last year or two um you kind of had a guy that was he was able to bounce off of and whatever and yeah San Antonio especially with Kawhi going down he's suddenly the best player on that team um because who else is you know Matt Ginobili is obviously just a a bench player now and um, Parker's out of the series uh, what Patty Mills? <laughs> With Patty Mills is awesome. I yeah, love, I love Patty Mills, but he's he's obviously he's not he's not there to have that role as the star player. And um, so yeah, it's all on Aldridge, and apparently uh, as we've all seen, and you mentioned the Snickers in Portland. We 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 know the guy that he's just not he doesn't have the the mentality to take take a serious, especially against San Antonio. I mean, uh, sorry, Golden State. God, even if he had the mentality, I don't know if he'd he'd make much difference anyway without Kawhi there, because Kawhi's defense, just his play on both ends of the floor is just that's where the trouble has been caused. I mean, you saw Durant's numbers in that game before Kawhi and after were just the polar opposites of each other because he suddenly didn't have anything to worry about. So, absolutely, it was funny during the game. I was actually during game one, I was at the uh, Timbers game, and I had a buddy text me that said, "Oh, I like what's going." He He's a buddy that I text back and forth. I golf with all the time that has mm. an equal burning hatred for the Golden State Warriors <laughs> as I do. So uh, he texts me. He's like, oh, I love what I'm seeing in Oracle right now. And I checked the sports app and, you know, they were up like 25 or whatever. And I it was second quarter late, like right at the end of the half or something like that, or right at the start of the third, maybe. I don't know. And I told him, I'm like, that's nothing. Like, I don't feel safe unless they're up 50. Mm. And what, wouldn't you know it? Like, obviously, he didn't expect the injury to make it what helped kind of spur the, the comeback. But with that, that's the thing about the Warriors. Like, you can be up 20, 30 points early. It doesn't mean shit. Like, they're so good. And so, like, you know, as much as I despise them, I can – yeah, I won't use the word respect. Yeah, I, I can respect them on the court at least as far as – basketball goes because they're they're incredible what they're doing mm-hmm. um it's just their fucking attitude of they run the world and they've you know they're just like their shit don't stink kind of their mentality it's just it's so maddening and it is nice to see somebody other what i mean what started my hate for them i feel like was that they they got away with all this cocky bullshit and no and no one called them everyone just like accepted it and loved it uh and obviously, if you're in San Francisco or Oakland, like you're gonna love it, and that's fine. Mm. But like the world, the country was just in love with them, and I'm like, they're just a bunch of shitheads. And it seems like a lot of people are kind of jumping on the hate wagon, because uh, it's just it's just nauseating watching yeah. them. But but they're fucking good. So I mean, they you know shut them up if you want to shut them. It's like the old like adage of like people celebrating in the end zones. Like if you want to shut them up, stop them. And so you know, no one can stop them. They're incredible. I mean, maybe LeBron can, but We'll see. I don't know. It'll be round three of their matchups. Going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 heading that way clearly. So we know that the Spurs. Yeah, like you said, those first three quarters look like they might make the series interesting, and um, especially with the dominance they had in that first game, um, a fully fit Kawhi. But even I don't know if Kawhi is going to be back for game three, and if he even if he is, I can't imagine him being 
close to 100% mm-hmm. um, with the amount of pain he was in because he's already struggling with it before that Zaza play, which I think is is kind of what makes me a little bit more mad about the Zaza play myself is that it was he was clearly already struggling with an ankle injury. If he knows what he's doing, like he's not going in there to injure the guy and send him out for the series. I don't think – I like to think that a guy's are better than that unless I hear otherwise. But he obviously knew that he might be able to tweak him a little bit or just make him uncomfortable, and that's where you're entering that gray area. If it's it's millimeters as to whether you you're making someone hurt a little bit or injure them completely, and uh, yeah, that's what annoys me about that play more than anything is that I think Zaza was well aware of the injury that Kawhi already already was carrying before that game too, and um, especially his history, he's got a history of being a niggling asshole mm-hmm. like that, um, trying to rip Kawhi's arm off before I think as well, yeah. And, um, el- elbowing the shit out of Patty Mills at one point, I think too. Um, he seems to do it to the Spurs, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a piece of sh- it, there's piece of shit plays all over all over the place in the NBA all the time. So it's hard to you can't sit there and say Zaza's the worst player all of a sudden because of that one play. But it, at the same time, it it is something like you said that needs to be looked at. Um, in the off season for the NBA, obviously they won't probably they might adjust for their um the refs. Maybe in the finals they give them a few pointers as they do. They say, you know, you should look at this a bit more in in game. But as an overhaul, it's probably only going to happen in the offseason anyway. So you just got to hope. Yeah, I mean, with some of the – sorry, I was just going to say, with some of the things they call like a flagrant foul nowadays, something like that is absolutely a Mm -hmm. flagrant foul. Like, you know, I know people in the the era of 90s basketball roll in their grave or roll in their couch when they hear that. But, Mm. I mean – I agree that I think things have gotten a little too ridiculous with the flagrants, but my I guess my point is that with some of the like shoving that gets called a flagrant or someone bumps into someone hard and it's called a flagrant, it's like, okay, let's 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 you know check ourselves on that. Like if some dude gets a hard screen versus that play that Zaza made, I mean I think that's much more flagrant worthy than mm-hmm. uh, than just a tough screen or you know basketball's a physical game, so things are gonna. Things are going to escalate, so yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think they've gone a little far with flagrant fouls, and that's I guess one way that they could ooh, Cleveland pulling away. But that's one way they could uh, kind of combat it. But it's a tough one to pull. It's a tough one to get out of the game, though. At yeah. the end of the day, it really is. So well, this is the thing: we're we're, uh, we're all hypocrites when it comes to sports because we want the game to be. We all never want it to be pussyfooting around, and yeah, you know, not that it's a manly thing or anything. We just want to see combat combat. Um, you know, warriors out there combating, so to speak. And uh, so you, you're kind of drawing a line in a gray area sometimes with you, but you just, you don't want to see the player like Zaza, Zaza's player was clearly, like you just, you're undercutting a player and anything that could end up in someone landing on their feet when they've moved, they've shuffled forward that much and just shot blocking just shouldn't happen. So if you, it's one of those things where I feel like if you call it more, it's going to, players will adjust their games so they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that simple. So... Um, in that respect, if it's going to, you know, this series, for the, especially for the NBA, they should be worried about a good, like Kawhi's should be, it should be con- very much considered one of the MVPs of the season. So when he's, going, when he's going down in game one to a play like that, that's completely changes the series. And, you know, from a business standpoint, from the NBA, the profit margins, whatever, because you no, know, I, I don't give a shit about that series now. I haven't watched it, watched a minute of it since. Um, not going to be as many games, not going to be as much talk about it. Obviously, that's everyone's waiting for the finals anyway. But that series was suddenly looking like it might be a little bit more interesting. So, as far as the NBA, it's it's concerned for everyone if that kind of play can be allowed to continue. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 
like you were touching there. I mean, it, this you don't give a shit about that series. Well, it's true because I mean, this whole playoffs that was that maybe could have shaped up to be the best series in the playoffs so far. Uh, you know, you had Boston Washington went seven, yeah, but like five of the seven games were blowouts, yeah. one way or the other, and so that wasn't a stellar series. I didn't think. Uh, I think the best series of the playoffs so far has been Utah Clippers, which mm. had its back and forth and went to seven. Uh, and it was a good series. There were a lot of close games in it. Um, but other than those two series is being considered, the NBA playoffs have been a dud. I mean, yeah. it's clearly a two-team race. And the NBA has to be looking – like, of course people are excited. And I'm sure the finals will crush in ratings. Because uh, I know I'm interested. If nothing else, is, you know, if even if I wasn't a LeBron fan or, or pulled for for him to win in the playoffs, at least just that, like the third time they're matching up, and there's just so many storylines that that make it an enticing series. But at what cost? So you get one good series for to have, you know, what 15 other terrible series? It's like you know, the NBA has got to look at itself. And you know, years ago they tried to fix the rules a little so that. Players would stay, and you'd get a little more parity, if you will, in the league. And it sure hasn't worked. We, you know, we went from Lakers, Celtics to to Cavs, Warriors, or Heat, Heat, and you know the Spurs for a while. There, so it's mm-hmm. just like it's always. I think it's just basketball mentality. But the NBA has got to be looking and scratching their head to figure out how to make the playoffs. Because like, Barkley touched on it. Look, watch the NFL or the NHL playoffs, and god damn, we've had almost every series has been exciting and fun to watch. And yeah, that's. If the NBA could could capture that in some way somehow, I don't know. How, there's no good answer of how, but man, it, it is a fun sport when it's fun to, when it's good games and good teams. It's fun to watch. But this 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 season's playoffs have been hard, less than desirable. That's for yeah. sure. And we and we were saying the same thing last season too. I I remember and or even the season before that. The season before that was a little bit. You know, there was a changing of the guard and with. LeBron mm-hmm. being back in Cleveland for the first year and Warriors hadn't won one yet. So, um, but yeah, as far as the playoffs go as a whole, it's just, I, I just flick back to the hockey now and it's funny, Ottawa, so are, Ottawa are 4 nothing up on uh, Pittsburgh, but that's a shock because you, you, you're not, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen much. So you, then you're excited about that because you're like, holy shit, Pittsburgh are 4 nothing down. What are they going to do? Where it's not like the Warriors are just blowing teams out every, every game. So it's like, you're like, oh, this is just normal. But for a hockey playoff game to be four nothing is a weird thing, and you and that makes the interest in it the other way because you're like, oh, how, how's the Penguins going to respond and whatever? And um, yeah, hockey playoffs are one of the greatest underrated spectacles in sports because once you get to the playoffs in hockey, it's just brutal. It's it's a battle out there. It's um you know games, you know you have some blowout games here and there, and some series only go four or five games, but every game in that four or five game series won't be that far apart. There'll be two ones, three twos, maybe a four one or something in there, but they're often good games. It just you know one team always scrapes out at the end, and it's not like there's a four nil series that's just four ever four blowouts to like the play like the Blazers against the Warriors is just a hopeless series. Yeah. I watched maybe five minutes of that I think because I, I worked most of the time anyway, but I flicked it on at one point. It was just like nah, that's. No, I'm a fan of the Blazers, but it wasn't worth my time because I knew, I just knew there was just no way it was going to even be close. Whereas Nashville, no, Nashville and hockey's an eight seed right now, and they're two one up in the conference finals. So, and they, and yeah, our good friend Jeff will tell you uh, day and night about how an eight seed won the cup a few years ago. So, 
<laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because you said like this game's four zero, which four zero is a big, a big. Uh, there's over half the game left though. There's yeah. a big margin, but it was funny because there was that stretch in the in the second round there. There was like a stretch of three nights where, or especially one night, I can't remember what where we were at in the in the playoffs where there were three games that night. All three teams or three of teams had a two goal lead. Two of them, I think, had three goal leads. And all the games went to overtime. Mm. There were comebacks in all three games. It was just like, and then the next night, and I think the same thing. It was like a stretch of three nights where there was like four, five, six comebacks and overtime games, double over. It's just like that's what you love. Like you said, it is. You know, I always think there's the like the first two days of the March Madness is fantastic. Mm. It's just fun to watch. This year was a little bit of a dud for the first two days, I thought, but. Um, typically you get a bunch of crazy endings and upsets and it's a, it's a blast. And then there's, uh, you know, I love the group stage of the world cup. It's just Mm -hmm. like every day for two weeks, you're getting amazing soccer matchups in the middle of the day, usually because the time zone. So that's another spectacle. But then, yeah, every year we're treated to the NHL playoffs that are just, you know, three months of just crazy crazy great like the things these guys do there was a in the washington pittsburgh series i think it was game seven there was this like 25 second stretch 30 second stretch uh that they showed after a whistle they showed on on nbc again of crosby battling in front of the net with one of the the caps and that 30 seconds they're chopping at each other they're bodying up they're checking each other and they're you know trying to to battle the position to get good spot in front of the net like that 30 seconds was so tiring to watch yeah to let alone what they what they were going through and I'm like that's 30 seconds of this fucking game and they typically are on the for like 25 minutes of it so mm. it's just what these guys do is fucking insane it's it's yeah. a warrior sport for sure yeah and that's um yeah one of those games that might have been that stretch you were talking about was the ducks when they were three nothing down against Edmonton with four minutes to go and came back and then they ended up winning in overtime as well um yeah, you just don't. I mean, I don't know what the equivalent of that in the NBA would be, but the, the only team that could probably do it with the, is the Warriors. Like, come back from fifteen points down with you know three minute, three or four minutes to go. Um, the Warriors could easily do it, actually, but they're the only team that could. Yeah, and but they probably wouldn't because at that point, it's just the way the game is. It's just it's not built that way. Whereas hockey, it's just it's just luck. You know, you get lucky bounces all the time, but it, it does often come down to. But Nashville are just on a hot streak at the moment. They're one of the best teams at this time of the season. Um, I guess actually one thing I just thought of was the Heat would have been a fun eight seed in the playoffs if they'd come in. I think they genuinely would have stirred shit up because they were 30 and 11 in the last half of the season. So they would have been yeah. maybe the only equivalent of a team that could come in and shake it up that way, but they didn't get in. And and as we've talked about at length already, is it's been a boring playoffs and hasn't been much fun besides occasionally checking in on the Cavs and whatever to see what they're looking like. And, yeah, both teams are – well, the Warriors are 10-0 and and the Cavs are probably going to go 9-0 after tonight. And there's a very realistic prospect that two teams will go into the um, the finals at 12-0. and um, which is That would ne- be crazy. Which has never happened. No team's even gone. I don't think there's ever been a team go into the conference finals at 8-0. and We've got two that have done that, and then they could both easily get through to the finals. And, and that's just – that's unbelievable as to how good they are maybe, but it's also a bit of a slight on the NBA, I think. Absolutely. And you touched on like the, the an eight seed that could have shaked, shaken things up. And, uh, 
you know, there's there's obviously nobody. If, well, if somebody did, they're crazy to believe that the Blazers had any shot yeah. against the Warriors. But I, I do I do attest it would have been interesting uh, had Nurkic been healthy Absolutely. and playing like he was. I think they could have stole a game or two. Um, they sure they I guarantee they would have stole a game. Um, but you know, not to say that they would have won the series in any wild imagination. But uh, yeah, it was a shame that he went down the way he did um, Dude, when he, he did he was, too. He was he was our MVP this year as far as he completely changed the way the team played and and you know we were, yeah. we were outside of the playoffs before he came and we got into the eight seed and and you know he's having games where I think he had, did he have a thirty three and twenty game at one point like just fucking monster. Um, yeah, I was there. It's fantastic. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you were too. I think I, I think I posted that the one only on game, Instagram actually. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, the only game I went to this year was his his first. He had two massive games at the Moda Center. Uh, one against Philly that I was there for, which is really his coming out party for Portland. Like he he was playing well and people were excited, but that was kind of a oh shit, here we go. Uh, and then when Denver came back to town, uh, and they were it was a battle for that eighth seed as well as his little bit of redemption kind of mm. kind of showcase game, and and he went off in that game too. So. Uh, it's good, you know, and he's so young. He's 23 years old or 22 or 23. And so it's, that's a great piece to have with, uh, you know, with, with the two guards that are obviously, you know, potential all-star. One of them is an all-star and, you know, CJ is a potential all-star, I think yeah. as far as the score goes. So, so it's exciting. It'll be interesting. I, you know, O'Shea's got to be active this off season too. Mm. Uh, Lillard deserves it. Like the, the guy in here for the local media and stuff that like, like the story of him making sure that the whole team gave their their Jesus cat fight on my foot, uh, making sure that they gave their playoff bonuses to the staff. And, I mean, just he's just a good dude, and is the dude that you're proud to have in your city. Mm-hmm. Much like we talk with Diego in in soccer here, and with you know what we had with Marcus for so long. Mm-hmm. It's just we're spe- it's a special guy. So I really want, I hope the Blazers can can build build around him. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, a point you had mentioned. It looks so. Two thousand one Lakers went fifteen and one. That was back when the first round was only a five game series. But yeah. they lost game one of the finals, but were undefeated. So they were what? They were eleven and zero at that point. That's right. I do remember hearing that along the grapevine a while ago. So yeah, that's yeah. And lose lose game one of the and lose game one of the finals and not lose again. And that's your only loss. Uh, I guess I'd prefer two thousand one. Yeah. 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 No. Bastards. <laughs> Had a half decent Lakers team. Only had Shaq and Kobe, so young Kobe. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I guess uh, I, I don't know. What, I had a point and then I lost it. Oh, I was I was I was super happy just as, as an Oregon fan standpoint. Um, seeing Marcus at the game is I sent you the video of him at the Nashville game. The dude, yeah. I, I, I just a random NFL point that just suddenly popped into my head. He slowly seems to be his his knock was always that he's an awkward, quiet, shy guy, and no one ever knew if he could manage an NFL huddle. And um, I see that, and I'm just like, that's a dude that's, you know, he was. I saw more emotion from him jumping around there than I had a lot of times at Oregon games. And I was texting with yeah. Shay, Shay yesterday, and um, as well, and it just, I was just especially this last season watching a bit of Tennessee football because the only reason I would is for Mariota. But um, he slowly seems to be kind of getting the gist of the NFL game. And I think injuries aside, 
I'm excited for it. Like, I'm excited to watch, like, obviously I'm a Patriots fan, Brady and whatever, but my off my offshoot is to watch, keep an eye on how the Titans are going, basically just for Mariota, and that's how much of an effect he had as an Oregon Oregon fan, an Oregon alum, and the, just the dude he was for the program. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this third season coming up here could be could be a good one if he's if he's shaking the injuries and the little the kind of moves they've made as well. They're not, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders by any stretch, but they they're at least not they shouldn't be dog shit like they have been for a little while. No, absolutely. They've and he yeah I agree. He's coming around and I just like you mentioned there too. Like I hope he can stay healthy. He's had injuries both years and mm-hmm. uh, it's got to get a little bit better offensive line. You think and. Um, yeah, but they they def they made some moves this year. I'm trying to pull up actually their uh, their draft picks again, but I feel like they you know they got a couple of receivers and it seems like they're trying to give him some tools. So mm-hmm. uh, it's nice to see. Uh, yeah, Corey Davis, a wide receiver, and Dory Jackson, who's mm-hmm. could be a receiver. But yeah, I mean they went they went you know wide receiver, see cornerback who could be a wide receiver. Honestly, another wide receiver, a tight end. And then they kind of switched over to the uh, got a couple offensive linemen and and a running back in the draft. So you know they're trying to build for him, and that's exciting. If he can stay healthy, I agree. I mean, you know, but they were a game out of the playoffs last year. You yeah. know, they they play in a pretty weak division. I mean, the Texans are, are obviously real good, and I think could be real good next year if uh, if they're if they're patient with Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are, they seem to truly be a quarterback away from, from being pretty special, and and it's not even like they need a, they just need a quarterback. They need a, a Brad Smith or a, a you know a guy that's not gonna lose you the game like those quarterbacks before Flacco that the Ravens would have when they had those stellar defenses that, you know, like just fucking, don't lose the game. Like fucking Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Like you can do it if you exactly have, if exactly you have, yeah. So um, yeah, I I still I love. Man, Patriots, doesn't matter what you say, they were the Super Bowl champions last year. That's what's in their record books. But that first game against Houston in the uh, in the playoffs, I very can very easily see us losing that game if it wasn't Brock Osweiler, if it was someone just better than Brock Osweiler in um, playing. Yeah. Because we were not good. And whether that's because we just didn't know what – because sometimes you're better prepared going in when you know exactly what you're coming up against. Where Brock Osweiler is either – you know, he beat us last year when he was playing at Denver, but then he uh, – in the regular season, but then he just couldn't couldn't do fuck all this year. So it's whether the Patriots were being better prepared, knowing that they had actually a threat there. Who knows? It's it, it's the what ifs we were talking about. But um, mm. yeah, I I was worried about that um, Houston game early on there when we just we seemed to be at sea a little bit, and and it's only because Oswald was missing passes and they just didn't have a didn't have a passing game that we were able to just kind of eke out that first half we were dog shit and then and then get the result in the second half um so yeah yeah they're 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 quarterback away and watson comes in yeah like you said hopefully they're patient with him but they've got all the pieces there to be a strong team in the afc absolutely i was trying to think of who who would be their slated starter today like i guess uh who'd they i feel like because oswald is a cleveland now isn't he Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, here we go. Up chart. Where quarterbacks go to die. Oh, Tom. It is okay. So they they've they're sticking with uh, old Tom Savage there. Oh shit. Um. So you know he that's one of those situations where you'd hope maybe he 
you see him for the first eight weeks, and then they try to trickle in Deshaun. Uh, mm. But that was that was a great pick for them. I think that was one of those where it was worth moving up for. It was worth the Chiefs moving up. I think they're you know that uh, they know like there's no secret they're gonna. He's in a good that Mahone's in a good situation for them because there there's no like joking around with them. They're not starting him next year. I mean, mm. it got, you know, unless there's barring injuries. Uh, you know, Alex Smith's their dude for now. People can say what they want about him, but he's a good quarterback. Um, he does exactly what so you want him to do. They knew exactly what they were getting with Alex Smith, so you can't complain. I mean, yeah, if about him not being able. If to the pass. Texans had him, yeah. yeah, exactly. I would have been fucking shitting myself last year. Um, yeah, they'd be a Super Bowl he, team yeah. probably. Um, so yeah, yeah. The only the only team that fucked it up in this draft really was the Bears. So I, I keep bringing that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, they did. Don't worry. Yeah. It's not a, and you know, and who knows? I mean, the kid could turn out to be really good. Who oh. knows? But it was just like you, tra- you didn't have to. They got fleeced by the 49ers, who have been the biggest shit show in football for the last three years, and yeah. maybe you know, ri- rivaling the Browns the last two or three years for being the biggest gong show, and, and they give them three picks for to move up one spot. It's just you know, and who knows who else was? De- no one's come out and said they were, but. Who knows who else was on the phone with San Francisco being like, hey, we're going to come up and get this guy and kind of force Chicago's hand. But mm. you'd like to think or you have to almost imagine that that had to have been happening because San Francisco wasn't taking him. And, you know, so why they made that move, I don't know. But uh, we all knew it was going to be a rough year anyways, but motherfuck. Yeah, well, it's that, it's that draft day. I started writing a bit for the website and then just work and whatever. I never finished it, but I was writing a bit just on how the movie draft day told you exactly what you shouldn't do. And then at the end of the movie, he, because it's a movie, he did everything he should do and got it, you know, got the picks back and whatever. And, and the bears did the start of the movie without finishing it off is what they did with that yeah. trade. Like, yeah, it was a mixture of draft day with, you know, that scene from Moneyball with Billy Bean on the phone telling 20 million different GMs that, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's happening and hoping the right one gets back to him at the right time. And, and yeah, yeah. It's just a ridiculous move. Um, I, yeah, I I feel bad for Javisky because I think he got booed when he turned up at a was it a, I, I can't remember if it was a Bulls or a Blackhawks game the next day. Bulls, yeah, yeah, and you know the kid doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. He didn't ask for it. No, but, yeah. So, and I hope and obviously as you know, I, I I like Chicago as a city as a sports city. So I hope I like seeing the Bears do better than they have been. And you're obviously got some Bears love, so you want to see them do well. And it just sucks that it's. It's come in that circumstance where they could, like, if they wanted him, they could have taken him at three, and no one, and you know, maybe they just criticized the pick, but they're not criticizing the fact that they sent another two, three. I can't remember how many picks they sent along with it, but um, it it was yeah, yeah, three picks. Yeah, it was it was a big mortgage on the future for one one spot to move, especially when there was a few quarterbacks on the board anyway. If you were looking at quarterbacks, you. The smart move is have your number one pick, and then if you like another guy, just you know whether it would, might have been a reach for Watson or whatever. But he's also proven he can do it on the big stage at the college level. So, yeah, it's the draft. It's such a crapshoot anyway. Like, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And the best, like you, the, like the, you mentioned there. What? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the best quarterback of all time was picked at one ninety nine, and even the Patriots were just taking him because fuck it. So, um, it's it, yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, that's. The draft is just—it's a crapshoot. You obviously the guys like Andrew Luck that come through, even though he's not had the best career so far, but injuries and some franchise issues 
uh, you know, it's a bit of luck too. Brady was lucky that he got drafted with no pressure on him to a team that was building towards being just a solid franchise. And yeah, it's it's a crapshoot, and the Bears just it doesn't look good. And I don't think it'll even if Trubisky is good, then they've more they've sent so many draft picks that they they don't have the the flexibility to be able to build around him. So it's it's kind of like cutting off one leg to save the other one. It's yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And like you touched on too, I don't think anybody would have been mad at them if, I mean, yeah, you would have had your haters, but nobody really would have cared if they would have taken him at three. Like, yeah. hey, you, you believe in the kid? Go for it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like him getting booed, like that's just, that's ridiculous. The kid doesn't deserve that. Mm. And I think that shit will fade. That, that'll fade. And and I think people, I mean, I'm already trying, you know, like, all right, I'll get in the kid's corner. Like, hopefully he's good. And and I'm sure Chicagoans or whatever will get, will get behind him too. Mm. But yeah, he he got some some lash out there that he didn't necessarily create, but yeah. Uh, well, the best thing he's got going for him is he isn't Jay Cutler, so you know there's already yeah, a, no shit. <laughs> there's already a plus side there. Um, what a shame! I was talking to a, a guy from Chicago um, about this, and you know, I, I'm I'm guilty of it too, hating on Jay Cutler at the end there, and because mm. he just was so bad. But you know, people are gonna forget that how good he was for them the first few years he was there. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think the knock always was that he didn't seem like the guy that would ever take you to the promised land, which he obviously didn't. But he was a hell of a quarterback for quite a while for the Bears. And, and I mean, I think he's – I think he holds their all-time passing record or something. I mean, he's got – he's a good player. And it's a shame how his career – it seems like his career, but at least his time in Chicago ended. Because um, it is like – it was such a – a shit show the last two or three seasons that that everything all the goodwill before that is is lost so that's a shame for him but um yeah yeah it's he just seemed that it, it was and often the knock on him was just his kind of aloof character is he just even yeah. though I, I i don't doubt for a minute that he that he cared about his job obviously he's i he's an nfl quarterback and he's turning up in fucking chicago to play in cold freezing windy city so the dude's got to care to be able to do that and it's just it's just the way he carried himself which unfortunately i don't there's no knock on if you just it's just the way the dude was and some people just don't like that you know that's why tom brady so loved i think is half obviously the way he plays but then he just he looks passionate about it too and you know everyone's a body language doctor and whatever so um unfortunately when you when you play if you're playing good and you'd look aloof. No one cares if you're playing bad, and then you still look aloof. Then everyone's suddenly thinks you're a, you're a douchebag who doesn't give a shit about the team. And um, yeah, so yeah, Jay Cutler. I, I never had a knock on him besides the fact it just <laughs> just the sucky football the last few years. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of other people seem to take issue with with just his casual casual nature, which is just you know he, you you're attacking a dude's personality. Um, and as long as he's not Donald Trump, then. Like, <laughs> And yeah, yeah, it, it, you shouldn't really be worrying about his personal life or whatever. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I, like you're on the field or on the sidelines more so. He's he's the anti Brady. Like yeah. Barry, Brady's always so fired up, and he's always just he's more Eli, just so good, you know, Eeyore. Yeah, over there. But yeah, he holds. I mean, he does hold. Not that, and again, let's. I guess this should be taken with a grain of salt because it's not like the Bears are are known for their stellar quarterback play over the. Yeah. generations because it's probably one of the worst up there with the the browns but yeah he uh, passing yards attempts completes touchdowns or completions att- attempts touchdowns quarterback rating 
he holds all the records. Like so, I mean, yeah. he'll be he won't be remembered that way, but you know, he's arguably obviously he didn't win the Super Bowl like McMahon, but uh, you know, he's probably the best quarterback the Bears have ever had. So, uh, just a, a shame, shameful end to a great career. Seems yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, NFL. I don't know. I, it's off season, whatever. Um, Legarrett Blunt signed with the Eagles today, though. So, yeah. Yeah. What's our over under on him pulling a, or the them and him pulling a? You know, he just fucking what did he against this or with the Steelers? He just locked out. Yeah. And then you know, <laughs> days later, he's back on the Patriots and then win the Super Bowl. So. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm not gonna close the book on him wearing a Patriots jersey next year. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's Bill certainly loves him for what he. It's just, yeah, he has a good season in the um, with how how Belichick and the Patriots are using him, and you know market value goes up, and he and he goes out and gets paid, and that's fine. Like the dude's won two Super Bowls with the Patriots, and and obviously he had an infamous moment with the Ducks, which <laughs> which fuck it, that was mm-hmm. that it, six seven years later, that was I I now show that to friends over here when I say oh, I'm a fan of oh. You like the you know Legarrette Blunt in the NFL? Let me show you what he did when he played for my college. Like, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> a little fun piece of history at this point because if you can't laugh at yourself, then what can you do? So, um, so yeah, dude's had an interesting part in both of our lives, really, as fans. So, uh, good luck to him. I hope you know the Eagles. I I was rooting for a lot more a couple of years ago just because of Chip, but um, it's still just fun seeing the Eagles are one of those teams. Like me and Shay were talking about. Um, well, actually, no, it was we both? I think we both were. Um, but in baseball, it just, it's just more fun when the Yankees are good. And even though the Eagles don't have the pedigree the Yankees do in the NFL, it's just they're one of those historic franchises that you just, no matter if they're doing good or bad, they're in the news. And so you kind of, you kind of, as a fan, you just want to see these teams do at least be interesting. So I hope he, I hope he has a good, good little, good little bit of time there. And if he, if it's not working out, yeah, walk out the door and come back to the Patriots. We'll take you. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so to finish off, I figure we should talk some round ball football. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess before we we uh, go to the weird Premier League ending of the season, that's still stressful, even though there's only one game to go and titles aren't in the remix. But uh, the uh, Portland, I've only caught snippets because they sh- the only games have shown on TV here has been when I've been working. But um, how's it been in the stands there? With what was a it was a flying start and we've tapered off a little bit, but it's not it's obviously not the downhill um not not nearly as bad as the starts we've had in the past so yeah you know it's funny i was just joking with a buddy about this the other day that uh they started three and oh which was exciting and had us all excited i guess but uh kind of but you, you take those three games away and they've pretty much started the way that they normally do Mm. They won two of their last eight and looked really awful in stretches. And uh, this, they do show some flashes of, of, of good play, but it's kind of back to more of the old old timbers. So we'll see. They've been they were without Valeri for three or four weeks and without Nagby for a few weeks. So obviously we need one of those two. Uh, that's that's a huge knock, but. There's just someone now just staring at me. <laughs> I'm assuming it's You're not breaking my focus. It's not, I'm assuming it's not a cat this time. No, <laughs> it's the wife. What's up, Brittany? David says hello. 
but yeah, this weekend they're supposed to get Nagby, but Valeri returned last week and he looked good, but he just looked a little, he was a little rusty for sure. Yeah. Uh, Nagby's supposed to play again this weekend, so we'll see. We'll see how they're looking. I mean, they're additions though. Uh, Blanco and, and Guzman in the midfield, uh, they look really good. I mean, when they're healthy, I think they could be a dangerous team, but it's the, the hot start got us all excited. And now I think people forget or, you know, kind of masked by that hot start and that kind of nine point nine points they were spotted. But the last eight have been not awesome. So, yeah. uh, you know, kind of back to the same as it ever was. But we'll see. Yeah. It's, a, it's a funny, especially with the um, MLS as it is, um, it is a sport where there's a, a league where there's a lot of runs because because teams do build differently. Being that it's not a uh, obviously, it would be nice to win a supporter shield at the end of the regular season. Um, we don't have that one, but uh, it is a league that is predicated towards just making the playoffs. And some team, and you just do have these. I uh, I feel like every year the teams that end up winning the the big one at the end of the year don't they have a horrible run. Obviously, um. The fuckers last year that won it started off the t- season terribly and only only came on in the second half and basically, unfortunately, did the exact same thing we kind of did at the end is just have a good run mm-hmm. and it's just it's kind of like the the hockey thing we were talking about earlier. It's hot the team that's hot coming into the playoffs sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's a good thing. Like if it was just a league that gave the big trophy for the the points total at the end of the regular season, it would be a lot worse. But um, if you can kind of kind of just tread water for a bit and re and re regroup and come back into some hot form then um and the supporter shield's still well in play too so yeah and i mean they by all accounts it sounds like in june like june the signing period will open back up internationally or in july i guess technically but uh that there's still still rumors of another center back coming which is desperately needed uh ridgewell has lost a step for sure. I mean, he. It was kind of funny in the game this weekend. Like thirty seconds into the second half, the Timbers get scored on, and I mean, by all, it was a little bit Gleason too. But I mean, it was it was Ridgewell's bad. Mm. Uh, and then five minutes later, off a, a free kick, he heads one in to kind of get get his mistake back, which was nice. But but he's definitely lost a step, and their their second center back uh, position has been kind of a revolving door with two guys. So. There's rumors of a guy out of a out of the Turkish league, and uh, you know, there's. I mean, it's like we know with soccer, the rumors flood fast and oh, fast yeah. and furious. So who knows what they'll actually end up getting? But uh, that's at least what it sounds like. So, like you said, if they can kind of tread water until then, get healthy, get another center back in there, uh, you know, get hot, get hot at the right time, and and have another 2015. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, rumors in football are like monkeys just throwing shit, and occasionally it sticks. But um, yeah, seriously, it's, it's a very, it's it took a very... me a while to get used to. <laughs> yeah. When well, I even... first started getting into the yeah, when I'm... I first started getting into the Premier League a lot, like I'd be following people and like, holy shit, they're gonna get this guy and that guy, and like, yeah, no, it's all a bunch of garbage. It's not gonna happen. So. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember a season back, oh eight, oh nine ish. Yeah, at one point Liverpool were going to have David Villa and David Silver, and I was so excited. And then I think it was that season, and already I'd, I'd gotten used to kind of the rumor thing. But after that one, I kind of that was the one that really I was just so excited to get those two guys. And then none of those even panned out, and even got close. Like there was never actually any real discussion. I don't think, apart from just maybe a scout went over and watched him. Or I don't, I don't know. I don't even know why a scout yeah. would need to go watch him, but they were clearly good. But yeah, now it's just you know. 
as when I when I see the photo from like as as far as Liverpool's concerned, when I see the photo of the player holding the jersey with like at the moment Klopp standing next to him, then I believe it. That's it's yeah. <laughs> Um, before then, I'll, I'll chat about it, but I'm I'm always skeptical because these things can get nixed at the last second. But yeah, I guess I guess that's a good segue into uh in the Premier League. Um, yeah, you've been getting to watch much, or yeah, I've yeah. I've watched quite a bit, whether on DVR or a lot of the games because they're in kind of the the Champions race. The, a lot of their games have kind of been in those more prime time. By prime time, it's nine a.m. here. That's yeah. that's the prime time slot here. Uh, so they've been in more of those games that were watchable times, but if nothing else, jump through them. If it's the 4:15 game, I'll, I'll catch it, but uh, catch it later on DVR. Maybe knowing the result, maybe not. I try not to, but it's just so hard not to not oh, to yeah. look. So especially when and I'll actually run into that this weekend. So yeah, especially when you kind of I, I find just my time is valuable to me. Like I could be doing something else. So sometimes if I record a game, I'll just. If if the result's not half favorable, I just don't want to sit there and spend two hours of my time watching it when it's already happened. So, yeah, I do that a bit now, a lot more than I probably used to. Is just you know say fuck it, I could spend two hours doing something else rather than watching him lose when (laughs) when I could have known beforehand anyway. Um, Luckily, last weekend that didn't happen. It was probably the first game that the four nil against West Ham that I've really enjoyed Mm -hmm. watching him since before the new year. Like just they looked dominant they didn't look like they were going to concede which uh, apart from there's always one moment and letting Andre <laughs> letting Andre you have two shots on goal which somehow he banged both both against the post when it was easier to score um but beyond that they they looked pretty comfortable and they dominated the second half and got three goals which has often been their problem is they can't close out a game in the second half of the season yeah anyway. so um they did that and they just it's still dicey because they need to win to get the Champions League qualification. But and I don't want to know any knock against Middlesbrough because they're already relegated. It's their last game in the Premier League. They're probably going to want to, if they've got the right mindset, they're going to want to come out and at least end their season on a high. So it's probably not as easy as it looks on paper. But it is also if they if they play, they come out with the same kind of mindset that they did last year, last game. It should be no problem. It's Middlesbrough and. They've got Coutinho and Sturridge. Hopefully, will be fit, and he's, he looked good in the last game. I think. I think I said to, I can't remember if I said to you, or, but the thing was having Sturridge. Like I like the way we play when we have the other guys, Firmino and Coutinho and Mane and Lalana interchanging, because they do create better opportunities. But when we don't have all those guys available and they're still trying to play the same way, sometimes the opportunities don't come. Whereas guys like Sturridge and Origi, they might be absent a lot of the time but they at least pepper the goals no matter where they're from like Sturridge will just he'll find some space 20 yards out and he'll put a good shot on goal and that's the way to get a keeper off like unsettled is just to if he's constantly working eventually a mistake will come and that's what I liked about the the game plan with the injuries in mind with Mane and Firmino didn't play last week either, either like just have guys that can put good shots on goal you'll score eventually Absolutely. Like you said, you gets gets the goalie thinking, gets it moving, and, you know, things happen. What Crazy bounces or wild bounces happen. Yeah. Uh, or you just hit a gold strike and, you know, lace one into the corner. But, uh, yeah, it's always it's always better to have, have the attack mode rather than just pass, pass, pass. What is it, Wayne Gretzky? You miss 100% shots you don't take. Yeah, so. I was just thinking that since I've got the hockey on. But, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
yeah, I I respect like the game plan the club has. Like I said, with with the players, we when we're fully fit, it is a better way to score. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. last game the way it was, especially playing a team like West Ham. We're just going to look to close 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 space and not give us the space to move like that. And they're probably looking to frustrate us. Just having Sturridge, even that the second goal we scored um, was Wijnaldum taking a pot shot on goal that came crashing off the bar and came back to. I think after a header, it came back to Coutinho on the, you know, the keeper's still shuffling back into position. The deep, the uh, back four still kind of working out. They've just seen they've got ball crashed against the bar and it's come straight back out. And in that interim, Coutinho's mo- already weaving his way through him to bang in the goal. Like, it's just you get that shot on goal, create the chaos. If you're just passing around a solid back four and you're not actually putting shots on goal, they get used to it. And and if they think that's all that's going to come at them, then, then they then they get they get pretty comfortable and and that builds their confidence. If you're constantly getting past them, even with just shots, it still makes them think a little bit more. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of hoping if the players available are limited at the weekend again, it's kind of a similar lineup. At least start that way again, especially against a mm-hmm. team like Middlesbrough, because they won't if they won't be able to deal with the uh, pace and ingenuity of guys like Sturridge and um, Origi, especially with Coutinho behind them slotting the passes through Lana. Well, Lana being back in is just fantastic as well. Um, his pace and and the way he can move the ball and play the ball is, uh, yeah, I think Middlesbrough wouldn't won't be able to deal with a similar game plan to last weekend. No, and that's what you'd like to see is come out early and get get a couple and uh, put it to bed early. At least lock yeah. that spot in, and then and then maybe just hope that uh, Man City somehow stubs their toe against Watford and get out of that maybe playoff. Yeah. Spot instead of you know that would be nice, but won't be greedy. We'll just take four. That's fine. We'll just, yeah. You don't have to be greedy about it. Yeah. There's certain results. I read an article about how a playoff will work for us. Like we'll be playing next season. Um, mm-hmm. We need Dortmund and Monaco and a few other teams to win this weekend to make sure that we're not playing against because we could end up against Dortmund <laughs> because our European. Oh shit. Because they because basically it's some it's a coefficient thing. I think I tried. We talked about it yeah. a few years ago. Years ago and because. Liverpool just have no coefficient really in Europe at the moment, apart from the Europa League. It's just pretty low, so you basically get ranked in this team. Makes sense. The ten teams that are in the playoff get ranked, and uh, we'll be uh, one of the lower ranked teams depending on how results go this weekend. So we could have a. Not that I want to disrespect any European team, but I'd rather one of the lower ones than a Dortmund or one of these other ones that could potentially be absolutely. Out. So yeah, they've got to have a half an hour. Yeah, no, what I. But, if 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 we're in the two legged, I just want to be in the top four and get in there. Yep. Oh, when we were, well, I actually asked you the other day about the Europa berth, worried that it would take the fourth slot away from the EPL or whatever, and uh, so that's when I I re I learnt up on on all the qualifying and everything. So, yeah. uh, but I, what I didn't know is that playoff is a a home and home. It's like two leg, yeah, or is yeah. it just a yeah? It's a two leg right. playoff. Yeah. Yeah, I remember years ago we yeah. we had one where. Uh, we played there and drew zero zero, and then we had the, I think it was Toulouse or someone random at Anfield, and it went to extra time, and Dirk Kout scored in like the one ninth, one eighteenth, and one twentieth minute to <laughs> to finally win it for us. So it can still be pretty stressful. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you wouldn't want to draw Dortmund. That would be obviously the battle. That was a hell of a battle with them in Europa a couple years or last year, I guess it was. But yeah, we don't we don't need you don't need any stress like that in a playoff just to get into the damn Champions League, mm-hmm. let alone. Once you're in there, so yeah, 
no, especially Dortmund have had somewhat probably they probably a little bit more disappointing season than they would have been expecting. So they'll be coming out next season with a bit of a bit of a chip on their shoulder, I think. Um, yeah, and, well, and highly depend on um, Aubameyang and a few of the guys that Dortmund have got. Well, Aubameyang's the key. You know, he scored twenty nine goals in the Bundesliga this year, and a lot of reports are constantly linking him with Madrid. So, you know, that team could be. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, apparently he told Fucking his of course. he told his grandfather once that he would play for Madrid one day. So I don't know. I hope he stays there because it's it's fun watching Bundesliga with him there. But nah, nah, who knows? It's Madrid. Not many players say no to that one, especially ones from different uh, different continents. That Madrid's one of those teams they're always looking at. So yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of seems that way in any of these leagues these days. Maybe other than the Premier League is. When like the you know the stud guy comes out in a season or kind of a, you know shows himself throughout one season, it's like all right, will he be on Madrid or Barcelona next year? Yeah. Which one? Like the kid at the kid at Monaco, it's like all right, how long does he really yeah. have there uh, before he's at Chelsea or at Madrid or Barcelona or wherever? So yeah, yeah, M- Mbappe or whatever his name is, he's yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's good. He's only eighteen or something. Can, yeah. Hopefully he's not one of those flash in the pan ones, but he, he certainly looks like he could have the the real deal kind of thing going on there. Um, yeah, I can't even think of what else we've got really. Um, I think we've almost covered everything. Yeah, we've um, touched a lot of the bases. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, I don't know if you you see Dirk Kout won the he's retired he just retired today actually, but um, Feyenoord in the Dutch division hadn't won the title since uh, 1999. That's the team he left to come to Liverpool and he mm-hmm. ended up back there for the end of his career. And when he arrived there two years ago, he said, we're going to win the league. And everyone was like, oh yeah, good, good joke, bro. And uh, they needed to win on the weekend to seal the Dutch title. He scored a hat trick. Yep. I yeah. saw, I think you tweeted something about it yeah. and I followed the link and yeah, that good for him. He was always a favorite. Like he was on the team when I first kind of came into the fold. Yeah. So it was always a, always a favorite. So cool to see him go off and, and do good things. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, afterward they they sang like 130,000 Feyenoord fans in the square in Rotterdam. They all sang "You'll Never Walk Alone" too. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, the, for a guy like Cat, who his whole career was, he's he's a lot he's a lot a lot more skilled than he got credit for at times because he just looked like a real workhorse of a player. But he's kind of that prototypical. He's the kind of guy that just lets you know that if you play with heart and enough like just guts and grit then you can overcome a lot of you know there's a lot of talented players out there that don't do as well as they should because they don't put the put the same amount of um effort into it whereas cat was a guy that overcome any deficiencies in his game basically with effort and to score a hat trick to seal a, seal a title as a 36 year old um and the first title in yeah 18 years is a pretty, a pretty good effort. I was pretty excited to see that. So I was online. Yeah, that's, I was that's online special. trying to, I was online trying to buy a final cut cow jersey last night <laughs> after a couple of beers. Nice. Um, couldn't find one unfortunately <laughs> because it's the end of the season and a lot of the official club stores don't have much stock and whatever. So I'll keep that hunt going. But um, yeah, you'll find one. Yeah. Anyway, it was good to get back into the podcasting groove. I'm going to try and I, I say this every time and then I get busy, but. I want to try and set up a look, make it a bit more of a regular thing. Um, I'm going to be starting to get a bit more regular days off coming up again. It got a bit chaotic there for a month or two, but yeah, we'll try and lock in a time and, and get it going a bit more again. So 
Especially now that I've got sounds my, good. Yeah, you know, I've cleaned up the office and got the setup a bit more back together again because it just got it. It just got chaotic there for a while. But yeah, yeah, good to get back into it. I'm sure well, we always keep in touch on sports anyway. But yeah, hoping to get a bit more written stuff on the website too. So and properly launch that because cool. it's just been sitting there idle since I got it going. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'm always happy to help. Yeah. And yeah, keep the SG Cervezas going. They've been good. That's been the one thing propping it up is the Instagram feed's been been keeping hot. So I'll have a couple next week. I'll have one in Sydney at the Liverpool game and then the next night at Port away at Geelong. So a couple of good ones. Oh, there. awesome. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And yeah, and I'll be at the Port's reserve side this weekend too. So there'll be a few beers and sports photos for myself for once. So <laughs> yeah. Good to hear. The good week hear. the week off is set up quite well. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, until next time, stay sportsgasmic. IPAs. Cheers.